welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. This is an important topic, I believe, for our church, uh, really for, for every church. Um, but I think right now especially, there, there was just an urgency to share on this topic of the voice of God. Uh, I, I really believe that there are many people who hear that language of, I heard the Lord say, or I, I feel like God is saying this, and, and they're, they're really just going, how? What is that experience like? Maybe you've been a Christian your entire life, but you don't fully understand what it is to hear the voice of God. What does it actually look like? That's, that's, and, and, I, and I think that there's, there's many probably that have that, that experience. Is you, you, don't, you haven't been able to experience the voice of God. And like it was shared from the first week, and as Pastor Ron shared, you have everything you need to hear the voice of God. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. If you are a believer, if you have Jesus living on the inside of you, then you have everything you need to hear his voice. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like and how that works and, uh, and even what that kind of sounds like uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 9. And it says this. It says, One day Jesus came from the Galilean village of Nazareth and had John immerse him in the Jordan River. The moment Jesus rose up out of the water, John saw the heavenly realm split open and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon him. At the same time, a voice spoke from heaven saying, You are my son, my cherished one, and my greatest delight is in you. My greatest delight is in you. Mark chapter 1 and the New King James Version, it says, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Oftentimes, when we think of the voice of God, I think a lot of times we think of his voice being more as a taskmaster. We think of his voice being a do this or don't do that kind of a voice. Uh, don't sin and do this thing, or go over to this person and share the gospel with them. And absolutely, the Lord does instruct us through his voice. But I want to I shift our thinking a little bit when we think about God's voice. He doesn't speak to us as a taskmaster. He speaks to us as a father. He's not a slave driver. He's not a list of rules. He doesn't just constantly give us a list of do's and don'ts. He comes to us as a father. Is there instruction in his voice? Absolutely. But that instruction doesn't come, again, as a slave driver. It comes as a father that is leading you and guiding you through life. Amen? He's not a, he's not a taskmaster. He's a father. I love this section of the Bible here of, of Jesus' baptism. Because the Bible only really gives us three glances at what kind of conversations the Father and the Son had together. So we all know that Jesus often went off and prayed, right? So we know that his, he was in constant communication with the Father. But there's actually only three instances where God in the New Testament audibly speaks to Jesus. And we get to hear what the Father says to Jesus. And two out of the three times that God speaks to Jesus, 
he says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Two of the three times. And the third time, he tells him, I'm going to glorify your name. I've already done it, and I'm going to do it again is what he says. So we have this voice coming from heaven. And notice, and, and we, also, we also know that we've been teaching on this recently, that, that Jesus didn't do or say anything that he didn't first hear the Father say. It says that numerous times throughout the Gospels that Jesus didn't do or say. So we know that Jesus had instruction. But in this moment, the very first time we understand what, and hear what God is saying to the Son, we see him saying, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What I found in myself, in my own testimony of hearing the voice of God, is that most of the time when God speaks to me, he speaks to me about my identity. He speaks to me about who I am. Sure, there's sometimes there's instruction. Sure, there's sometimes there's, there's thing, other things he says. But the majority of the time, it's things like this. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'll give you a little testimony of what I'm, an, an example of what I mean. A, a few years back, several years back, we had taken the youth to a conference. And at this conference, uh, the worship was going on. And I had at that time, in that, in that season, for whatever reason, I was just dealing with a lot of insecurity. I was dealing with a lot of just self-doubt of not feeling worthy, of not feeling good enough. Uh, I was feeling convicted over, over, over past sins that I had done and been forgiven of for years. But for some reason, I just was feeling guilty over those things and just unworthy over all of those things. And, and so we, we go to this youth conference and I'm, I'm, the whole time I'm trying to pour into these kids, but I'm feeling the weight of all of that this entire time. And we're in the middle of worship. I think it was one of the first or maybe the second sessions. We're in the middle of worship. And one of my favorite songs comes on. We sing it here, King of My Heart. And the song comes on, and, and if, for those of you who don't know the song, the chorus says, you are good, good, oh. See, I can sing. See that? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think that's the first time I've ever sung with a mic in my hand on a platform. And I did it because nobody could stop me and tell me I couldn't. <laughs> but this, the chorus begins, begin playing. You are good, you are good, oh. And you got to have the oh. You are good. And of course, that song is talking about the goodness of God, right? We're, we're declaring that you are good. You are good. So we're in the middle of worship, and I'm, I'm, I'm just worshiping the Lord. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I hear the voice of the Lord speak to me. And he says, no, no, no. You are good. He says, you are good. And then it gets to the, to the bridge, and it, the bridge says, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And I'm singing it. And he goes, no, no, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And of course, I immediately just begin to feel the presence of the Lord so strong. And about that time, uh, one of the members of the team that was there ministering comes off the stage and he comes down to me and he begins praying over me. And he, he said a lot of a lot of things, he began praying a lot of things. But the first thing he came up and he said, and he said, this song is about you. He said, you are good. He began, after I heard the Lord audibly, or not audibly, I heard the Lord telling me that. He comes off the stage and begins confirming. He says, no, you are good. You are good. 
This moment impacted me so much, I got, got the words tattooed on my arm right here, you are good. And every time we sing this song, the tattoo actually glows. It's, it's amazing. But he said, you are good, you are good. And he began identifying me. And from that moment, I can tell you from that moment on, I have never once doubted my righteousness in Christ Jesus. I have never once doubted that I, was, uh, that I was worthy of everything that he gives us. Never one time because of the voice of God telling me, you are good. You are good. I wonder, going back to the scripture here, I wonder with that voice coming down from heaven and saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I wonder how much that voice and that sentence impacted him. I wonder how much, let, let me say it this way, I have it written down a lot better than what I'm saying it. I wonder how much of what Jesus did came not from a specific instruction from God, but out of the character of knowing I am my beloved son. I am his beloved son and he is already pleased with me. Did you catch that? How much of what Jesus did didn't require God to tell him or give him instruction for anything, but it flowed out of the identity that God placed on him, that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, I don't need God to tell me what things I am doing are sinful. I am very aware of my own failures. Can I get an amen? I am very aware of the mistakes that I made. I don't need God to say, do this, don't do that. I, I, have, I, I, I know pretty well what to do and what not to do. What I need God to tell me is you are better than the way you are acting. I need God to tell me that, that your character is so much greater than the way you are. The way that you are acting is not who you are. Who you are is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I believe, at least for my own testimony, and those of you maybe that can, can relate to me, just give me an amen, because I believe that the majority of the time, at least, again, for me and my own testimony, God doesn't, the voice of God doesn't come to instruct me. He comes to identify me. And out of that identification, I am able to then walk the way he wants me to walk. I'm able to be who he wants me to be. I'm able to stay away. I don't even have a desire for those things because I know it's not who I am. When you know your identity, you don't need the instruction because you begin to walk in that identity. And therefore, for me, most of the time, the majority of the time, he comes as a father, not a taskmaster, and he identifies. You, you do realize, even here on earth, the role of the father is to identify their sons and daughters. It's to tell them who they are. I don't know how many times our, our discipline method, I mean, sometimes we, we get, you get it, your parents, it gets frustrating and you react out of that. But our discipline method is to say, no, no, that, that behavior is not you. You may be acting like that, but that's, not, that's out of your character. Who you are is this. And I believe that the voice of God comes and he identifies us. And out of that, he doesn't have to give us a bunch of do's and don'ts because we know how to react, because we know who we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's just the introduction. I don't, that's not even fully what I'm talking about today. 
I just felt, I just felt it was so important for us to understand that. That God is not a taskmaster. He doesn't operate that way. He's a father. He speaks to us as a father because that's who he is and we are his sons and daughters. Amen? And, and, that's, and let me say this too. That's not to say that he won't bring correction. Hebrews 12 tells us that he will bring correction. But it says that he corrects those whom he loves. So even in the correction, he's coming as a father and not a taskmaster. Amen? Amen. What I really want to talk about with you this morning is this, this question. How do you know you are hearing the voice of God? How do you actually know you are hearing the voice of God and you're not hearing your own thoughts, that you're not hearing uh, someone else's thoughts just playing over in your head. How do you know that it's actually his voice? And to explain that, I'm going to hand it off to my wife, and she's going to come up and share some things with us. So come on up, babe. Well, this week, um, Josh and I like to talk about whatever he's preaching on a normal basis. And I, we were talking about having multiple conversations. He's like, man, that's really good. Will you share that? I'm like... I guess. I don't know what I just said, but I'll try my best. So um, it all started this week um, just when I was praying. I was listening to the song. It's called The Voice of God. It's by Dante Bo and um, Stephanie Gretzinger and Chandler Moore sing on the, the track also. It's like 12 minutes or else we would totally play it for you this morning because it's fantastic. Um, but I knew at the beginning I knew at the beginning of when I had sat down to start praying that the Lord wanted me to listen through that song and kind of write out some of just the prophetic declarations in that song that they talk about what his voice is or what it sounds like. Um, and I would, it, it was just funny just how that day progressed. There's a lot of other things that just happened in my, my devotion time that day. But as I'm winding down, I am a firm believer in the shuffle play on my Spotify worship list because I just feel like the Lord... He uses music in my life um, to speak to me, and the shuffle play always is faithful because it'll bring up a song that, like, will have something to say of exactly what's going on. So I'm winding down, um, and I, I'm knowing that I need to listen to this song, and the Voice of God song comes on. And so I just started writing down different things, and I called Josh afterwards because it was just exciting and was explaining to him about it. But one of the, the statements that they make in that song is to listen to the texture and the tone for the kindness and for the hope. Listen for the sound that brings you home. So I think that there is a, there's an art of listening to the texture and the tone of what the voice of the Lord sounds like. I think that it's always wrapped in kindness and hope. And it always brings you home, which he is home. It always brings you back to him. If you're hearing a voice that you don't know if it's the Lord or not, assess where it's leading you. If it's leading you to him, I can guarantee you it's his voice. If it's wrapped in that kindness and if it's wrapped in that hope, I can assure you that it's him. So it was just our daughter Eden is taking violin lessons right now. And so when it talked about texture and tone, I immediately go to violin lessons. So Eden's been doing this for probably about six months now. So she is n not a professional yet, okay? Um, we're, so she is learning, she just learned her first song, which is Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. 
She knows all of the notes for it. She knows the pattern of it. She knows, she knows how to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Now, her teacher, Miss Hannah, it sounds a little bit different when Miss Hannah plays Twinkle, Twinkle <laughs> and when Eden plays Twinkle, Twinkle. But what her, what her job is this week is to pay attention to the texture and the tone of, of her chords that she's playing and her notes that she's playing and all of that. Because in violin, I sit and take notes for us to practice with later. So she, your positioning matters. Your, your feet have to be in play position. The position of her bow hand has to be in a certain place. The position of one finger, this finger that's supposed to be asleep is what Miss Hannah tells Eden. It has to take a nap while she plays because if she pushes too hard with this one finger on the bow, it, it's not beautiful. It, it's, you, that's when you start getting that scratchy noise, like, and, and I just kinda, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's not right, you know from one finger, from a little bit too, of too much pressure. Or if she doesn't have her the hand she holds her violin with, the, the placement of her fingers, if they're not high enough and they're hitting another part of the note, if she has her wrist like this versus this. I mean, Carly does play violin, so I'm really embarrassed if I'm saying any of this incorrectly, so just pretend I'm great. Um, but anyway, there's, there's an art to perfecting the tone and the texture of that sound. And Tuesday morning, she has violin lessons on Tuesday afternoon. So Tuesday morning before school, we're practicing. Because to be completely honest, softball and baseball season are kicking our butts on violin practice too. So I'm like, let's get this in so you look like you know what you're doing when we go to practice this afternoon. So Tuesday morning, Josh is getting ready. He, he has colonial, so he's going to take the kids. So she's like, Mom, my violin really needs tuned. And I was like, it's fine. Just, just practice. And she's like, no, I like... Dad is the tuner. I don't do that. So I was like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We get to practice that afternoon, and her teacher, Miss Hannah, always will tune it before practice, before they begin their lesson. And she started playing, and she was like, oh, gosh, this is really out of tune today. And I was like, it sounds like a violin. Like, we're not to the beautiful phase of violin lessons yet, okay? So I didn't know it was out of tune. I was just like, she was looking for a reason to not play. Okay, so... So there are fine tuners on the violin, and then there's like the, kind of like the guitar, like the knobs at the end that you tune, but there's also fine tuners up by the, the pit, by your chin to perfect it even more, to dial it in to make sure it's absolutely perfect. Hannah, Miss Hannah was using both tuners on Tuesday, but I told Josh, I was like, Hannah is teaching Eden her, for a tone, to hear that tone, to know when it's off. She's trying to coach and to exercise her ear to be able to know when something is out of tune. She's, she's teaching Eden to know the sound of if her second finger is in, like, she has a tendency to have it a little high, closer to first finger instead of third finger. And that note is not exactly what it should be in Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. You know, she's, she's teaching her to exercise that, those muscles and to turn, tune her ear into knowing what is or isn't right. And I told Josh, I was like, that's exactly what this is talking about. And I don't want it to come across that um, hearing the voice of God requires some perfect formula of positioning to hear him, but I think it can start that way. I think if my, my journey on hearing the voice of the Lord, I've, I've heard it oh, several times over the years, but I can tell you honestly, until April 2016, when the Lord came 
with that message of beloved identity to me and truly identified me on my way to Summitville to pick up kids from school. That's when it all started. And it was just, it was a moment that has marked me for the rest of my life. But I can tell you that I can hear the voice of the Lord today more than I ever have in my life because I think I'm so secure in who he thinks I am that I can turn around and be secure in who his, what his voice sounds like. My, my ear is tuned into that frequency now and I don't have to try and strive. It, it comes naturally, it comes easily, and it comes with a confidence that I don't question whether or not that was the voice of the Lord anymore because I know what his voice sounds like. If we were to line up a group of middle-aged men, because apparently I have issues identifying 30-year-olds as middle-aged and people were offended. So middle-aged men, to include my dad, <laughs> if we... <laughs> but hear me out. If we lined up a group of men that were all around his age and they all spoke maybe one or two sentences... I would firmly be able to identify his voice because I know it. I'm familiar with that tone of his voice. If, if we're going to talk about singing voices, I definitely can identify my dad's singing voice. Yelling voices probably even more because we all know our dad's yelling voice when things get real, right? Um, because you're familiar with that. You know the tone of his voice. You know when the tone changes and when it's, you, he means business, right? It's like that with the Lord. You, if you're in a place right now where you hear him every so often, or maybe you haven't heard him, I would encourage you, have you let the Lord fully identify you as beloved yet? Have you let, do you really see yourself as a son or a daughter of the Lord? Or do you still see yourself as someone, a servant trying to serve a king? It is that, but it's so much more. And when you allow, you step into that identity of sonship, his voice becomes natural and become, there's a confidence that comes with it. And I know that Josh and I could probably talk about beloved identity round and round and round because it's just, that is what changed everything about who we are. And that is why I can stand on the platform and be completely confident in where the direction of the service is supposed to go if we have to lead worship that morning or where we're what we're supposed to do because I know what his voice is, but his voice has also become so valuable to me that I'm not willing to do anything in my life to forfeit that. I will rearrange everything that I have to because I don't ever want to give up being able to hear and to know his voice. How do you know God is, how do you know you are hearing the voice of God? I love, I love that analogy of the violin, the, the, to know the texture and the tone. How do you get familiar with the texture and the tone? The very first obvious thing, but I'm going to say it anyway, is you have to spend time with him. You have to spend time with him. If you're not spending time with him in prayer and in the word, you will not become familiar with the texture and the tone of his voice. He's speaking to you, but you won't recognize it because you don't know the texture and the tone. We have to spend time knowing him. Amen? Amen. 
you have to spend time in this book right here. To know the texture and the tone, you have to spend time in this book. Let me tell you why. How many of you heard it said before that the Bible is our instruction manual, right? It's the, what is it, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? If you, have you, how many of you heard that in your Sunday school class? Basic instructions. Disregard that because it's not true. <laughs> the Bible is not an instruction manual. The Bible is a biography. The Bible is not trying to tell you how to live life. The Bible is introducing you to someone. It's introducing you to the character and the person of God. It's how you get to know him. Let me prove it to you. How many of you know the story where Jesus has risen from the dead and he begins walking on the road with these two men, uh, the road of Emmaus with these two men? How many of you know that story? So Jesus, Jesus is walking. It's in Luke chapter 24. He's walking on the road with these men. And uh, it says here in verse 27, it says, Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scriptures. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. The entire Old Testament, it says Jesus began from the beginning and went all the way through and he began showing them how every aspect, how every story pointed to him. He didn't give him a lecture on what, what, what kind of ways to live life through the life of Moses. No, he said, this is pointing to me. This is introducing you to the person of who I am, the character of who I am. It says also in, uh, in John chapter 5, verse 39, he, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, you are busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. But everything you read points to me. The Bible is not an instruction manual. The Bible is a biography. How do you become familiar with the texture and the tone of his voice? You read his word that describes who he is. And when you begin understanding the character of who he is, then you can assess everything that flows through your spirit. Was that the voice of God? Well, does it follow his character? Is what he said, what, what I believe he said, does that follow the person of who he is? And you can't know that unless you read his biography. Every word that you hear has to flow through the, what's the word? Has to flow through the, the guideline of his word, the standard of his word. Amen? And let me say it this way too. The Bible is not an instruction manual for the way we should live because we are going to encounter things that don't have a specific instruction in that word. How many of you have ran across that in your own life? You come up with upon a situation, you're like, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what's, what's the will of God for this in this area. Oh, I know. I'll go look for it in the word. And you go look for it in the word. And guess what? There's nothing in the word specifically addressing this issue, whatever issue you're facing. That's going to happen. 
But when you begin to read the Bible, understanding that it's a biography, that you're learning about the character of who he is, then you can face those situations knowing, okay, I know the character and the person of God, so I can hear his voice in this situation, and I can determine whether or not it is him speaking this, and he can guide me through this situation because I know the character of my father. Amen? You have to spend time with him in prayer and in his word. And as you begin doing that, you are adjusting those fine tuners. You are adjusting the tuning to when you begin to hear when his voice strikes a chord, you know if it's him or not because you know the character of who he is. Amen? Come on, that's good. Amen? Amen. We learn his character. We learn this about God. We learn that he is peace. You, you realize something. God, the peace is not an attribute of God. He is peace. That he is joy everlasting and evermore. You learn that he is love, that he is kind, and that he is hope. Just like Amber said before, that when you hear his voice, there's a kindness to it. When you hear his voice, it, it, if, it, if the voice that you hear brings anxiety and brings fear, then it's not his voice because his voice is perfect love and perfect love casts out fear. His voice is kindness because he is kind. It's who he is. Even in his correction, it doesn't bring anxiety. Even in his correction, there is peace because that is who he is. He can be nothing other than that. So when you begin understanding, I'm saying that because I want you to understand, when you begin understanding the character of God, you can then begin, uh, begin assessing the voice that you're hearing, and you can begin to tune in to know, is this the voice of God, or is it not the voice of God, because you know the character of who he is, amen? I don't know how many times I've heard it said before, and we've lived this, that you just follow the peace. If you don't know which way to go in a situation, you follow where there is peace, even if it makes no logical sense in your head. Because listen, it, if, especially if you're a logical person, I'm not a logical person, okay? My wife is very much a logical person. And if, if the logical answer isn't the way she's going because she feels the peace in this situation, then I know this must be the voice of the Lord. Amen? Even if the logical, the logical step if there's no peace in it, but there's peace in this direction, you follow the peace because he is peace. Amen? You follow, you follow the, the joy. And when I say joy, I'm not talking about the, the emotion of happiness because that's fleeting, right? I'm talking about the inner joy, the inner confidence of knowing that he is good and that foundation of knowing he is good produces a joy inside of you. Even, even uh, above the emotion, of, of, of anything else. You follow that joy, amen, because that's who he is. When he speaks, my anxiety stops. Fear has no place because perfect love casts out fear. I'm reminded when I talk about this, I'm reminded again of the, of the guys at the road, on the road to Emmaus. When, when Jesus 
uh, said something and then he, you know, he, he disappeared and, and then it says the guys are left there alone and they, they realize, their, it says their eyes were open and they realized that this was Jesus. Here's what they said. They said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? What, what does the voice of God feel like? Feels like your heart burning on the inside of you. Feels like all anxiety fleeing. It feels like all fear diminishing because his voice brings peace and his voice brings joy. When he speaks, I am encouraged. The, Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of God, instills courage on the inside of me. It emboldens me. You know it's his voice because, because you get encouraged. You feel emboldened by what he said. If, if, what, if the voice that you hear makes you feel little and makes you feel small, it's not his voice because his voice encourages you. It emboldens you. It strengthens you. Amen? As they were walking, and they, they realized that this was the Lord. It said, did not our hearts burn within us? That's how you know it's the voice of the Lord. Amen? As in violin, I'm going to end with this. As in violin, as Amber said, there is a posture. There is a way to play. There is a, a positioning that you need to be in. And let, before I say this, let me clarify. God can absolutely speak sovereignly to anybody he wants to. He, he's done it throughout history. That you can be as far away from God as you possibly can be and he can still speak to you. He can sovereignly do that. But to hear God on a consistent basis, to hear him on a regular basis, there is a posture to that. Just as there is in violin, there is a posture to that. How many of you know Jesus taught in parables quite a bit, right? And if you're like me, you grew up with the understanding that Jesus taught in parables so that the audience could better understand what he was trying to say and what's, what's, his, what's it say. The problem with that idea is the Bible says exactly the opposite. It says that Jesus actually spoke in parables so people wouldn't know what he was saying. That's what I try to do sometimes on Sunday morning. I, that's why you don't understand me sometimes because I'm speaking in mysteries. And No. But he actually spoke in parables so people wouldn't understand. Let me show you what I mean. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Let me pull out my other Bible here. You're not a real preacher unless you come up to the pulpit with two Bibles at least, right? I don't know if you do or not, Pastor Ron. You're a real preacher. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. It says, and the disciples came and said to him. So Jesus, let me give you some context. Jesus was preaching to the crowd and he told them the parable of the sower. And uh, after he told the parable, the disciples came up to him and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, because it has been given to them, or I'm sorry, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So what is Jesus saying here? 
He's saying, I speak to them in parables, again, that they may hear it, but they don't understand it. What was the purpose of that? What was Jesus trying to accomplish? If he didn't want them to know or understand these principles that he was teaching, why did he bother to teach them at all? Why did he bother to even give them the parable if he didn't want them to understand? It's not that he didn't want them to understand. It's that he wanted the seekers and the ones who are hungry and willing to dig. He wanted them to have an opportunity to seek. He, 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 didn't, he, he was hiding things because in order for you to hear and to understand the voice of God, you have to have a seeking posture. You have to have a hungry posture. You see what I'm saying? You have to become, you have to come to the Lord as a seeker. One of the most common things Jesus said as he taught was let him who has an ear to hear, let him hear. That you have to tune your ear in and become a seeker in order to hear his voice. You must posture yourself as a seeker if you want to hear his voice. But listen, I think there's an even greater posture than being that of a seeker. I think being a seeker is incredibly important. Those who were in the crowd listening, I'm sure there were many in that crowd that were hungry and that were seekers. But I think there's an even greater posture than seeking. It says, it goes on to say in that chapter, it says that after Jesus spoke these words, it says that he took his disciples aside. And then he says that he began to openly explain to them what the parable of the sower meant. He began to openly explain to them what he was saying in the parable. That there may have been seekers in the crowd, but they walked away afterwards. But the disciples remained with Jesus. And he began explaining to them and teaching them plainly what the sower, the parable of the sower meant. And here's what I want to say. I think the greater posture than seeking, the, the superior posture than seeking is to be in union with the Father. That when you are in union with him, he, he pulls you aside and he begins sharing with you the mysteries of the kingdom. That you begin to hear his voice. And the reason you know his voice is not, not just because, because you hear just some voice, but you hear his voice because I am in him and he is in me. That the witness of the Holy Spirit that is in you, that the Bible says that, that you have no need of a teacher because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you that teaches you all things. It, it goes on and says in this chapter, it says that there were prophets of old, that there were righteous men of God who did not hear what you are hearing now, who desire to know and to hear the voice you are hearing, but they were unable to hear it. Because when Jesus came, in the Old Testament, they, they were able to hear the voice of God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross in the New Testament, now we are invited into, here's the word, perichoresis, union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And though, and though the Old, Old Testament prophets and righteous men, they heard the voice of God, we get to take an even greater step towards intimacy, a greater posture of actually having union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And through that union, the mysteries of the kingdom are unveiled to us. 
through his voice and through union with him. Amen? So how do we hear God's voice? How do you know it's his voice? Number one, you have to know the texture and the tone. And to know his texture and his tone, you have to spend time in prayer with him. You have to spend time in conversation with him. And you have to read his word, the biography that is the Bible, that is showing you who he is, what is his character, what is he like. You learn that by reading his word and spending time with him. Amen? What is the posture? There's a posture to continually, to consistently hearing his voice, to becoming familiar, becoming in tune with his voice. What is that posture? That posture is union with him, is being in union with him, that I am my father, I am in him, and he is in me. It's having that seeking heart, but also having the realization and the, the, the revelation that I am in him and he is in me. And we share this great dance with one another in union together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm so grateful for your revelation on this word. Father, I just pray, Lord, as we begin, as, as we have already and as we continue to begin sharing this revelation of hearing the voice of God, God, that it wouldn't just be information that would be downloaded to us, but God, there would be a reaction to it, God. God, that there would be a manifestation in each and every life that is here. God, that if there are those in this room that, that are unfamiliar with that voice, God, that there would, be, uh, there would be an encounter today, Father. God, that there would be a reaction today. God, where there'd be something that would be turned on inside of them where they would begin to recognize that texture and that tone of your voice. God, that they would begin to posture themselves to where they can hear your voice speaking to them, Father. God, I just pray that there would just be that reaction. There would be that, that manifestation in every life in this room. Father, we thank you for your word that has spoken to us today. God, and we choose this week to posture ourselves to hear your voice. We posture ourselves to walk in union with you, that we can be as the disciples, that you would pull us aside and begin explaining to us the mysteries of the kingdom. And Father, for those in this room that have a false identity of who they are, God, that you'd begin, the voice of God would be coming would begin coming to them and identifying who they are. God, I believe your word that says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as I shared my testimony today of you identifying me in that moment in that conference, God, I pray that, that, that those in this room that have a misidentification of who they are, God, that they would have an encounter with your voice that would begin identifying them as who they are, which is your beloved son and daughter that they are the righteousness of God and Christ and Jesus, that they are good and that they can never let you down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as a church, we'd begin hearing your voice more clearly and that we'd be able to act upon it more aggressively. God, we love your voice, and we'll do, as Amber said, we'll do anything it takes to posture ourselves to be able to hear your voice. God, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. 
All right. Well, we, uh, I do want to say real quick before we leave, um, we are going to take a pause on this particular topic for next week. And Pastor Logan Sparling is going to come and share with us. Um, there's a lot of history with different people in the church with Pastor Logan. He actually married Paul and Pam and somebody else, Sam and Debbie as well. He married Sam and Debbie. Uh, Pastor Ron and Jackie have known him for many, many years. Uh, I, I can't say enough what an honor it is for him to come and to share with us this next Sunday morning. This is a giant in the faith. This is a man of God who, who, has, who carries an authority with his voice. And uh, it, it really is an honor for us to be able to hear from him uh, what, what the Lord is, is speaking to him for us. And so I highly encourage you to be here next week. Uh, come ready and expecting to hear from God and to hear, uh, hear a word uh, that can change your life. He, he's an incredible man of God. So um, I'm very excited for that. So make sure you're here in your seat next week for that. Um, we are going to pick up the chairs this morning. So if you could help us with that, we'd greatly appreciate it. We love you all. Have an incredible week.